COVID-19 has done nothing to slow comic Eddie Izzard down. Yes, she, Eddie's preferred pronoun is now sometimes she, has just finished 31 remote marathons and performing 31 remote stand-up gigs in 31 days for charity. She's also co-written and produced a new war thriller, Six Minutes to Midnight, based on the true story of German schoolgirls living in Eddie's hometown on the south coast of England. They are the daughters of the Nazi High Command. As soon as there's movement, we'll take the school. England can be an unforgiving place if you happen to be German. It can often be hard to tell who someone really is. Who is good and who is bad. I have a list of Nazi conspirators. It's English traitors. This country is at war with Germany. Eddie Izzard is with us this morning. Kia ora, good morning. I don't mind what pronouns people use. In fact, I think it, people talk about pronouns. I like adverbs and adjectives. That's the ones I'm going. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think people have made this into a, a bit of a stumbling block here. Uh, basically, I came out as trans in 1985. That's 36 years ago, 36. And and then there was I was on a TV program and they asked me, oh, what, what pronouns would you like? And I said, oh, I'm in girl mode because I have boy mode and girl mode. I see being trans as uh, transgender as a, as a superhero thing because I'm, you know, positivizing this thing, which was a tough yeah. thing to come out in 85. And so I was in girl mode, so I said, oh, uh, she and her would be great. And they said, fine, thank you very much. A bit like, you know, what what tea would you, you're a coffee tea? Yeah. <laughs> you know, better. And then this went viral, even though I've been out for 36 years, even though a, a year before I put a statement in the, the Daily Mail of all newspapers, which is a really strongly conservative slash right-wing newspaper here. They said, what's all this about? And I made a statement saying, she and her, but it doesn't matter. Just call me Eddie. No big deal. And that was a year before. So suddenly this one went viral. You could never work out why something's going to go viral. The whole world changed my pronoun. And But I'm saying, look, guys, to anyone who's supporting me, just be relaxed about it. And if people use he and him or she and her, it doesn't really matter. It's it's me, myself. I'm a human being. That's That's all that really matters. Do you feel as though you're carrying... A weight of responsibility for for a wider community? Yeah, there's definitely a responsibility in there, but um, that's fine. You know, as soon as I came out back in 85, and I keep I keep meeting younger people and saying, how old were you in 85? They go, oh, minus 11. And when people these <laughs> these ages, you know, it's, think about it. It's almost, if we take a generation that's been 20 years, it's almost two generations ago I came out. And um, and it was really tough back then. So, but I, what I always thought was, I'm just going to do my career as well as I could. I had no career at that point, and and I just do comedy, I do drama, I do political activism, I run marathons. I happen to be transgender. Doesn't make any bloody difference. And that's what I'm trying to encourage the world to grab hold of. And most people in the world are doing that. And some people, of course, hate this and hate that. And, you know, the extreme right. I'm never going to. Uh, get them to calm down, but um, live and let live, you know, and I'm just a human being and look at my work and see if that's any good and uh, who cares if I'm trans or not. Was the story of this school in Bexalon C well known when you were growing up? Absolutely not known, which is in, intriguing. I'm quite into history anyway. And I, you know, my grandma was born in, in Bexalon C and, and my dad born just down the road. Um, I grew up there half my life, and uh, it was known as a seaside town, which 
you probably have the same in New Zealand, um, late, 1900, late 1800s, going to the 1900s, people would go down there to take the waters. But Bexhill turned into a place, because it was set up by uh, the Delaware family, kind of rich, linked with money, linked with royalty, uh, quite a lot of money around. And, and so there are 26 schools in Bexhill-on-Sea. One of them was the Augusta Victoria College for Girls. Um, and I'm, I, because I got a bit known in Bexhill, I became patron of the museum there. And the, uh, the, the curator, Julian Porter showed me this blazer badge for this school. He said, you know, one of the 26 schools uh, was this one. And, it's, and it has a picture of the British flag. You, you, you've got the, the emblem that goes on the girl's blazer. And it's got, uh, you know, sort of rampant line and all that kind of stuff. But then it's got the British flag at one corner and the Nazi flag at the other corner. And I said, is that real? He said, yep, that's real. And I thought, wow, that, there's a story in that. There's a film in that, I thought. And so the basis is real. The school was there. Um, Himmler's goddaughter was at, at this school. A lot of German, uh, the German Nazi high command, their, their girls were sent there to learn English, to make friends with the British aristocracy and British people who were very pro-Nazi because a number of people up to him, including Edward VIII, were into the Nazis. And the black shirts were there, Oswald Mosley and Diana Mitford. So, so they were there as kind of ambassadors and getting to know the British. And, and Hitler wanted the British to be with the Nazis in a kind of subjugated form, but sort of, you know, doing this Aryan thing. And that's what was going on, uh, not overtly at the school, I think, but more covertly, more like that's just not another thing that was rumbling along. So I thought, well, let's build a story on that framework of the, the war about to arrive, these girls, and and that's what our story starts um, and takes off. And Judy Dench is running the book. As a producer, what's it like when Dame Judy Dench signs on the bottom line? Well, that is kind of wonderful because she she's enormously powerful in, in film terms. She brings an audience with her. Um, I'd already done Victoria and Abdul with her, Stephen Freer's film. Stephen cast me as um, Edward the Seventh uh, in that, playing uh, the son of Queen Victoria with Judy playing Queen Victoria. And I knew her from before. So when I was doing that film, I pitched her, how would you like to play a, a sort of Nazi sympathetic um, head <laughs> Head teacher at a school, and she 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 doesn't like the the national treasure title, so she likes to work against that. So she was up for coming and and playing that role, and uh, and we were never sure. It's an, it was an independent film, so to get the money in, to get the green light, is really tricky. And it was about two weeks before filming started, and I heard that Judy was doing costume fitting. So I thought, well, we we must be doing this film, and now we're here, and now it's coming out. What's extraordinary to me is how late the girls remained in England in the lead-up to the war. Yes, well, we have taken artistic licence with that. I think <laughs> they, they left a little earlier, in, in actual fact. But, um, yes, we've, we've made that into our story. And so everything that happens, Thomas Miller, my character, the, the character I play, half British, half German, which I don't think I've seen. I know I've seen a lot of war films in my in my time, but you know, the British don't trust him, he's half German. The Germans don't trust him, he's half British. I think that's an uniquely interesting position for him to be. The girls being there, it's kind of picnic at hanging rock thing. If it had been a boys' school, it wouldn't have worked so well. But that school was there, and we based that, you know, our story upon it, or we, we dropped our story upon it. But our story is a one that we have made up, and it is a thriller. It is 39 Steps, it is uh, Jim Broadbent and Judy Dench, both Oscar winners. And Jim's playing uh, Charlie, the bus driver. Am I, that's based on my granddad, who was Charlie Charlie Izzard, Charles Harold Izzard, uh, bus driver. Um, and and then we go off in different places and the story and 
Um, so it's, yeah, it's exciting, but it's, that is not quite the truth. But the thing underneath it, the hearts and minds story is true. Yeah. The people beguiled by the extreme right and the lies that they put forward. And wow, that happened back 90 years ago, but oh, it's happening again. So that's very weird that we just write sitting on top of a Trump, Brexit, Marine Le Pen, alternative für Deutschland, you know, extreme white world that's just swimming around us yet again, 90 years later. Look, I, I know you've always been pretty strong in your political views. Do you see parallels? You know, do you see comparisons between that time and the modern day? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the specific thing, because I said this to the German girls who were acting in it, this is not about countries being bad and countries being good, because you're going to get a country can't actually be bad. It's about ideas being bad and ideas being good. And the extreme right, they always start with hatred. They, who can we blame? Oh, that blame thing seems to work. And also, if they're extreme right, they also go, hey, we can lie. We can just use lies, bald, over lies. And, and, and Hitler said a big lie works better than a smaller lie. And then Trump went and said, oh, I've won the election when he hadn't won the election in America. And it's a whole lot of people said, oh, yeah, we'll go with this big lie. It's, it's a complete lie. Even though Republican members of officials were saying, no, you haven't won this, Donald Trump. But he, he insisted that he had. So it, it's a worrying thing that humans will repeat what they did just 100 years ago. And almost in the same way, just sleepwalk into this idea of, oh, we, let's believe these lies. Probably because some people want to believe the lies. You know, if you want to be racist and sexist and, and right-wing thinking says, yep, yeah, go on and be racist and sexist and here's some people to hate. Well, some people say, I'll buy into that because that's what I want to do. And most of us don't, hopefully. The majority of the world don't. But um, this film just sits on top of that and it's a lesson from history. That should be the strapline of our whole film, a lesson from history. I think part of it, but it's still there. We've, we've got a Brexit thing happening in our country. Marine Le Pen still hovers around there. Uh, the AFD in, in Germany. Each country has their extreme right. Um, you've got Brazil running by an extreme right politician. The same in Hungary. Um, it, it's, you know, some people are out there just saying, this lying thing is really easy because you don't have to do anything. Um, and the rest of us are trying to put forward as much as we can facts and then it's, it's very difficult to work out how the things are what, what's going to happen in the future but some politicians just say um of the extreme right so nobody is going to make stuff up and that's very scary because some people will just go with that um yeah so i i, I worry for humanity 21st century we're going to work it out this century we're either going to make it a farewell for everyone or we're not going to exist at the end of the century or it's, it's going to be a total disaster yeah. yeah well i think this because you know we've got we got more and more ridiculous and horrible ways of, of fighting wars and, and tearing each other apart and coming up with you know covid i do think covid was an accidental thing but what if someone comes up with a real one that they actually want to put out? But the thing is, I don't think any country would be stupid enough to do that because you can't control where it's going to flow, even if, you know, conspiracy theories think, oh, the Chinese did this. But you can't control it. And if you're going to kill your own people, what's the bloody point of that? Um, mm -hmm. So it's just this is a century where it's the coming of age of humanity. So we should watch ourselves. We've got to, we've got to uh, get to a better place, a, a fair world. Uh, for everyone, a fair chance for everyone in the world. I must say, um, it's, a, it's a change to see you in an environment when you're not running a marathon. <laughs> I mean, what, you've just finished another month of marathons for charity over January? Yes, Make Humanity Great Again is my, is my cause. I don't know where I got that slogan from. It just came to me one day. Um, 
else had one bit like it. But anyway, uh, so yeah, Make Humanity Great Again, which includes all of America as well, all 7.8 billion of us. And I just run and I, I raise money for uh, a group of charities featuring all around the world, trying to help in Yemen, the country where I was born, which has a proxy civil war that might be about to be a, have a ceasefire happen. Well, it would be very nice if your government stopped selling weapons to one of the protagonists. Boris Johnson needs to stop that, but he won't because he's uh, of the extreme right. So anyway, whereas, whereas Biden has uh, has changed his whole, uh, well, of course, changed America's attitude because his attitude was never that. But it's, yeah, Marathons. absolutely. Yeah. Marathon. Uh, running them and, and it's tricky. I did it in lockdown. I did it on the treadmill and I just talked to people for six hours a day. I mean, you know how, what it's like talking. So I was doing six hours a day of that for 31 days straight. So that was quite a lot of talking, but it actually saved me from going out of my mind from running on the treadmill. But we ran, we raised a third of a million pounds, which is about half a million dollars, US dollars. Um, and, uh, and I had George Clooney counting down the, the last 10 seconds at the end. See, this is the thing. Do you find it difficult to run marathons anymore? Whenever I start, the first 10 are grim. The first 10 are really grim. Um, and you know, every day, every day that because I was in a control bubble with my event manager, Sarah Johnson. So we would we were at, at my house and in the car, then going to Riverside Studios, then back to stay COVID safe. We never met any people, they just left things at doors and we'd pick them up that way. But every time we, we got there each morning, I would feel dread dread of the feeling of, oh, I've got to run for another six, six and a half hours today. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it gets easier. Towards the end, it gets easier. But at the beginning, the first 10 marathons, just in case you need to know, in case you ever do it, uh, the first 10 marathons are pretty horrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will take your word for it because I don't think I'm going to be following in your footsteps, Eddie. That is Eddie Izzard. Thank you so much for your time. Eddie's new film is Six Minutes to Midnight.